The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. This month marks two years for me. Two years since I stopped going to a physical office every day. And I remember how quickly it happened. One day, I was complaining about banal stuff like a slow subway. The next, I felt painfully aware of just how fragile and precious life can be. And in the time since, the very nature of the way that I have thought about work has changed. We praise the hustle less. Instead, we talk about health and happiness. So many of Hello Monday's listeners, you all, you're looking for something that I'm looking for, a rich, fulfilling career that also allows me a balanced life. That's why this year's theme for all of Hello Monday is reinvention. You see, we've all had to adapt. We've had to change, often against our will. But this year, this year we're choosing our changes, figuring out what works for us. But here's something important to know. If you've been conditioned to the hustle, working to the point of burnout, changing jobs, it isn't going to fix your problems, not unless you change yourself. Today's guest is Octavia Rahim. Her book is Pause, Rest, Be, Stillness Practices for Courage During Times of Change. Octavia advises companies on how to incorporate rest and stillness into the lives of their employees. She has so much to show us about how to shift our, our own approach to everything. To start, I ask Octavia about her own journey to find rest. The brief version of it was these extended work days and these extended workout days. My day would start at 4.30, 5am and usually end at, you know, 11.30 or midnight. And now I think, what was I could I have, what was I doing? But I know teaching, grading papers, working a second job, working out, you know, squeezing everything I could into a 24 hour period. And ultimately I landed in the hospital with this condition called rhabdomyolysis that, you know, ultra, some ultra marathon runners get this. I had never heard of rhabdomyolysis until I read about it in your book. And what it is, is this rapid muscular breakdown um, that can overload the kidneys and potentially lock them down, sending you into kidney failure, which if, if not caught soon enough, we know what the outcome can be. And I was I was not in a great space. I was in the space of doctors being like, if you had not come to the hospital, you know, today, this would have turned out fatally for you. And so I'm... I'm at my healthiest, in air quotes, at my, I look the best. I should show you a picture from that. But clearly on the inside, something was um, completely out of balance. I had worked myself and worked out to the point that I'm hospitalized. And I had this nurse come in who says, "Why, why are you in here? And I'm so irritated with her. I'm like, you have my chart. You know, I'm in here. And ultimately, she she's administering medicine and also ministering to my soul. She asked me, what are you running from? Why are you doing all of this? Like, can, is, can, do you literally have to live this way? And those are relatively simple, benign questions in this one sense. But I hadn't considered, does it have to be this way? 
Yes. And that was a question I live with daily. I, I love a good to-do list. I love a good spreadsheet. I love all those things. But one of my favorite things to do with myself and organizations to look at the things and go, does it, does it have to be this way? Does that have to be right there? Do I have to do that? You know, does it have to be done right now? You know, and so this nurse asked me those questions and it literally changed, changed my life. She was like, but well, you have to do something that's nothing. You know, and then she told me this scripture that I kind of walk with, if I might share, and that is be still and know, you know, this idea of like there's some knowing and wisdom and intuition you're only going to access in stillness. So how about you stop running and stand here still enough for what you're chasing to have room and space to find you? I came to rest kicking and screaming, or rather, to be more accurate, laid up in a hospital bed. It took all of that for me to finally realize that the way I was living wasn't sustainable. And at the heart of what I do and teach and share is sustainability. The way most of us are living, really, the question becomes, how long can we do this? How long can our relationships bear this? How long can our organizations bear this level of doing, you know, before something falls apart or someone falls apart, like it's not sustainable, you know? And so when I talk about rest and teach about rest and hold people in that space of rest, it's really about how do we make the way we live and, and are on this planet and with each other more sustainable. Um, which for me, Octavia, it describes perfectly why Right now is the right moment to have you on our show. Mm. We've just come through this really tough time. And in the last year, a lot of folks have just gone and quit their jobs. They have been so burnt out and so miserable. And what they have known is, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to do that thing. But where a lot of people are now caught is, where am I moving toward? What do I want to do? And we talk on the show about a lot of structural ways to get to the bottom of that question. And those are all important, whether it's um, working with a job coach or uh, framing and thinking about your work differently. But even before you get there, you have to create the space to allow yourself knowing, to allow yourself the ability to perceive the change. Does that make sense? It, it makes so much sense. And it's so well stated. I also heard the, the question I would have for someone who just quit, right? So you quit. Now what? Right. And the answer to that now what is likely not going to completely come from an external force because the external force is ultimately kind of what pushed you out. You're like, <laughs> I, li I listened to all of that. I followed all those rules. I did all of those things. And, you know, I think some people are quitting from sheer burnout. And I also think some people are quitting because they do they want more purpose field work. And to hear that purpose, where, where are you going to hear it from? Is it going to come from, it might come from the outside, but it is likely that you need a good old sit down with yourself and your heart. You might need to journal. <laughs> I, I believe there's a reservoir of wisdom within us. And most of the time we're very externally driven and and taking our cues from the external world to the point that it muddies the the still small voice, if you will. Yeah. This whisper that might say, hey, hey, take this left. And that left might be like, well, it doesn't really make complete sense. But and then my you might, intuition oh, yeah. is telling me. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, we yeah. had this really amazing woman on this show a couple of years ago now in our first season. And I had her on the show because she was such a, a massive achiever. She had been the mm-hmm. CEO of Burberry and saved Burberry from extinction. And then she'd gone on to join Apple, where she was the highest paid woman in, at all of Apple. And I wanted to get to the bottom of her success. And I was like, well, you know, are you are you great with numbers? Are you great with spreadsheets? Like, how did you do that? She mm-hmm. said, oh, it was all intuition. And that was at that point on the journey that I was on, a little terrifying. I kept looking for another answer. I was like, back mm-hmm. it up. But she just spoke about the importance of of learning to listen to herself. Yeah. Right. And we all have that. That's like the gut instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, that's the feeling you get when you enter a room and maybe your eyes land on a specific person. The thing is, when we are moving really fast, we can't feel that. We can't hear that. We can't see that. When the to-do list doesn't include pausing, resting, or being like when, when if there's no quiet, how can you hear intuition? If there's no space, how can you perceive like even subtle change or indirection? In the last few years, I've made some dramatic changes, you know, from being a public school teacher to a freelance yoga teacher to owning a yoga studio to owning an online yoga studio and now doing work with really progressive, incredible organizations around rest, right? And every thing that I've done, every shift has been predicated by, you know, like I've become aware of the shift in a still place or access the vision for how to do something in in a still place, you know? And so when I'm working with folks at work and one organization I work with, the Highland Project, in their, um, their annual report, I just read it. They told their funders, they called me their chief daydreaming officer. And I was like, I think I need a a badge that says that. But some of what I do with them is we don't start with a concrete problem necessarily. Each individual might have something they're solutioning toward that they are aware of, but I'm not actually aware of it. And I literally just create the space and the frame for them to step out of the fray of whatever's causing the problem. You know, we know this. If you just keep looking at something the same way over and over, you only see what's what's there. And when you can pause or take some respite and step out, then you can start to access what you were talking about, intuition. But also, maybe this is more concrete to some folks. You can just start to see another way because you're literally not just looking at the same thing anymore. I wanted to talk a little bit of how about how you got to where you are and what you do. And mm-hmm. I want I want to do it within the frame of wellness. Um, Because Octavia, you're Mm -hmm. a yoga teacher and you teach other yoga teachers about the practice of teaching. And that is different than the rest work you do. I make that distinction because you were practicing yoga at the moment when you were so burnt out that you were hospitalized. The yoga didn't save you from yourself in that minute, right? No, no. You know, most of us are prone to, like I always tell people I'm type A in recovering. And how I end up writing a book about being. And we are prone to not take the medicine we need. We'll find a way of working out or even being mindful in air quotes that supports or perpetuates how we already are. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. and and so I my, you know, as a public school teacher and one of those public school teachers that my kid, my students were my children their achievement 
was my, you know, I took it deeply personal and that also caused me to work, you know, 14 hour days. And, but I also, you know, my workout regimen was Olympic weightlifting. I'm five one. Look at me. You know, you can see me. It was Olympic weightlifting. And then it was power hot yoga in a 105 degree room. Right. And so, but that I'm just giving you that frame to give context for kind of my personality. And so that kind of yoga, of course, it would layer it on top of my work day in life was going to push me swiftly to the edge of burnout, like literal burnout, right? I wasn't doing the kind of yoga where you might sit in a room quietly and, you know, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. That's not what I was doing. It also gets to the way that I'm just going to say I'm guilty of it. And even when I talk about it, I still continue to be guilty of it, that we kind of make a wellness checklist, right? And mm. it's the wrong way to think about wellness. But if you can make a checklist mm. and you got your yoga and my goodness, if you got your yoga and you've combined it with your workout, maybe add the right kind of tea, do that for seven days in a row and check your well. And that actually isn't a practice that makes one well. It's, it's not because wellness is not, it's not a static state. It's a process and we're always in progress of it. And I never stopped in all of that to say, is this helping me? Do I actually feel well? And I operated a lot at that time in my life from the outside in and I looked well. <laughs> you I know, like you did I, with I, all of that Olympic. I, I did. I did. I looked. I looked in air quotes again. Well, but I was not well on on the inside. You know, like I I couldn't be still. I couldn't sit with myself. I couldn't just be. And you know, and sometimes people go, "What? Break that down for me. What is just being?" And for me, being is actually one thing at a time. Like right now, we are talking. I don't have another tab open. I'm not trying to get into my phone. I'm not even curious about those things. I'm just being with you one thing at a time. Um, I have a confession that I don't believe in multitasking. I call multitasking distracted tasking. And every time I multitask, something that could have been a 10 minute process has now 20 minutes. I'm like, how is that actually helpful to me? And you maybe have that experience too, where you're like, I'm trying to do all these things at once and you don't actually complete anything to the level that you want it actually to be done, to actually be done. Even when we can stray into good habits, it's so easy to slip back. Mm -hmm. It is. I think part of that is we start with too much. We'll be right back. After the break, Octavia tells us how to approach wellness the right way. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back. Octavia understands the importance of rest, but she's human. And like us, she lives in 2022. She knows that the state of being isn't easy for most of us. We're all just trying to do too much too fast. Someone might go, well, I was only trying for five minutes. And I'm like, well, that might feel to your brain and to your life and to your schedule like a thousand minutes. So one way I really wrote this book, I didn't want to write a book that required a long sitting to read. I wanted to write a book that you could turn to any page, read a sentence or that one page and be like, okay, I'm good. Um, and so, A, I invite people in terms of the book to reframe it from something to complete versus something to experience and journey through. And before we hit record, I was talking to you about this idea of scaffolding. If we are running 100 miles per hour to try to go to zero in any context would actually create more stress. Yeah. Right. We all know that we try to add like something that's going to be like, this is going to be so good for me. This is going to make me feel better. I'm going to be well when I do this. But now the thing I'm doing to de-stress is creating so much damn stress that I, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. And so I, a, I honor and acknowledge that this is the pitch of many folks' lives. Right. And I invite people to go, OK. I'm on 110 right now. I don't have a rest practice. I need it because goodness knows I'm up to here. You know, what is the, what's a natural progression from the frenetic way of being um, that's not a total stopping point? Well, let's talk a little bit about what happens when one rests, because I mm. think it also speaks to one of the reasons, maybe subconsciously, that a lot of us don't want to rest. For me, what happens is that all of my feelings and emotions that I haven't wanted to feel suddenly present themselves and it's really uncomfortable. I never thought laying yeah. so still and doing nothing could be so uncomfortable. Here's the thing. Those feelings and emotions, just because we're not feeling them doesn't mean they're not impacting our lives and being expressed in some other way that is healthy or unhealthy, you know, it doesn't mean they're not there. So that's one thing, right? Um, God, and we've all probably had that feeling where we blow up on someone. And then we sit and think, where did that come from? Why did I just do that? And for me, if I trace something and outbursts back, I'll be like, oh, those feelings were there. I just, I wasn't tending to them. So they said, let me take care of myself. I'm coming out somehow, some way. So there's that, right? So we're choosing the discomfort, right? And, um, and so resting can be uncomfortable. This is why I always suggest the moving still, like slowing down and then coming to a stop if you're trying to start like a rest or meditation practice versus I'm just going to halt because the halt is jarring on a physical level. You have to mentally calibrate toward a different 
way of moving. And some of that discomfort that arises can be mitigated by not coming to a complete halt, but slowing down first and stopping if you're trying to rest, if that makes sense. But so, yes. So when we rest, things, they come up to the surface to be revealed. Yeah. But the thing that if we actually engage the practice happens sometimes pretty immediately, they move too. It doesn't stay that way. You know, if we can meet the discomfort (laughs) for a moment or two, then we have a moment where we're like, oh, wow, that feels really good. Then something else uncomfortable comes up. Then we have another, you know, like, and that's just the practice. I think part of why it becomes challenging is we're like, well, this is supposed to just feel like spa day forever. (laughs) Well, don't you think that what burnout is or does this resonate with you? It's when mm. all it's when all all of the negative and positive feelings and emotions that usually move through you have collided and frozen and you have mm. no ability to move them. Mm. That does resonate with me. So, and so here's a paradox that one way of moving those things is to be still. <laughs> It is, isn't it? And that's not always true. You know, like I went for a walk this morning and that helped to move, you know, some frustrations from earlier in the morning. It's both in. We, we need some kind of um, supportive movement in our life. And we also need a way to to sit and not be doing, so to speak. And part of that is just, I'm not a scientist. I'm not about to be on your front like I'm a scientist, right? But just think about the Um, the process of digesting food, right? So stillness, the pause is a place of integration and assimilation. And if we use this metaphor of eating, if we're just consuming, 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 and there is no opportunity for the body to go, okay, that's nourishing, let's retain that. That's not going to be helpful. Let's process that some more and then eliminate it. We know what it feels like. Things get backed up. We know what it feels like when there's no point or way for us to assimilate. In terms of living and life and experience, the pause is the place of assimilation. Mm-hmm. It's, that, it's the place that allows that to really begin to happen. Um, and when we're constantly just eating, I'm going to say the food of life, the food of experience, the food of parenting, the food of partnering, and there is no real place for us to have a pause and then to start to take in what was nourishing from that interaction or that experience and what do I really need to let go? Then we're just overloaded. Yeah, It's like we literally need the pause. <laughs> It's it's kind of not optional. We're treating it like it's optional. And then something happens, right? Something happens that makes us have to take a pause. And most of us, that's what it is. We don't rest until we're made to rest, you know, until it's like the finger is wagged and we're putting time out. Yeah. You know, we're so focused on productivity in our culture. And um, productivity is is critical to work. And we are often looking for ways to be more productive. And I wouldn't pass judgment on that. That is Mm -hmm. how we get to the realization of purpose. But Mm -hmm. I would suggest that too often we associate busyness with productivity rather than understanding that a successful way of being productive might actually be to be less busy. So one of my favorite things to say, Jesse, is I'm not busy. I'm on purpose. And I mean that, you know, um, 
like I, fr- I frame my work around this mission. I say I'm on a mission to change the way we work, live, and love one well-rested personal organization at a time. And so for me, here's the purpose. And when I get requests or inquiries, all these things that come at me on a daily basis, I go, is that in alignment with this purpose? <laughs> it might seem like a good idea, all, all of that, but like, does it actually support this, this greater mission I have? I was busy when I was just yes to everything in my inbox, yes to everybody. And if I stopped to think, well, why am I saying yes to this? What is this moving forward? I probably wouldn't have had a good answer. If there is one big idea that you want our listeners to come away with that they can put into practice in their own lives, wherever they are in the journey, what would it be? To trust the pause and to trust that they can pause. And what that looks like is what I just did. I took one breath, you know, to trust they have room, space, time, and need to take the one breath and then move forward. That was Octavia Rahim, author of Pause, Rest, Be, Stillness Practices for Courage in Times of Change. You can find it wherever books are sold. A few days after our conversation, Octavia invited me to a Zoom session to rest with her, literally to walk through a brief guided meditation and just chill out. And I'll tell you, I almost canceled. I had a terrible headache that day. My daughter had been up teething half the night. I was so behind on emails and everything else. But I showed up, and the guided meditation in full rest took less than 10 minutes. I left with a sense of clarity about how to spend my afternoon, and the headache completely disappeared. So I would just ask you, right now, what are you doing to rest? Come talk about it with us on Office Hours. We'll share helpful tips and stories of our own journeys to rest. Join us for Office Hours on Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on the LinkedIn news page or email us for a link at hellomonday at linkedin.com. And as always, if you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help us so much. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Taisha Henry with help from Wesley Wingo. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Ariando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Michaela Greer and Victoria Taylor deserve a rest, but don't we all? Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And Sarah Storm remains our fairy godmother. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening. You said your son is five? My son is five and <laughs> amazing and wild (laughs) and he says he says outrageous stuff all the time i'm like why are you saying that out loud you know they can hear you and then and he goes well why does it matter well we can learn so much from kids in that way i think uh Mm -hmm. and also they're exasperating in the same moment yeah